1: Taylor Stevens, the New York Times best selling and award winning author of kick ass international thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. I have a story to tell that Steve hasn't heard, and he has no idea what's coming yet. If you've been on Facebook, on my Facebook page, uh, no, in the Facebook group, then you already know this story. But Steve hasn't been there lately, so he doesn't know. Before we started, uh, recording. I told Steve, oh, yeah, I've got chit-chat cover. I have an emergency room story to tell. And then he has no idea what's coming. So <laughs> here's what happened. I took some time off to spend with friends, and we went to a lake. And while I was there, and I was minding my own business, somebody with a fishing rod <clears throat> went to cast a, cast a hook, <laughs> and it caught me. And I'm not laughing. I'm I absolutely turned, not laughing. So I didn't see it happen, and i I felt it hit my head, my face first, and I immediately knew what was happening. I didn't feel a poke. I felt the. I just felt the whole smush of the, the the hook and the weight, and I guess there was a worm on it hit me in the face, and I started screaming, yelling, "Stop! Stop!" before anything happened because i i had no way of knowing what was going to happen next and i just needed movement to stop and in the beat between i started yelling and between the when the person with the rod registered what had happened it caught me in my arm and and thankfully i think that if i hadn't yelled it would have been so much worse. And the position I was in when it happened, when it hit, I knew immediately that I'd gotten snagged, but my, my, my arm, and it was in the fore you know, the, the spot between your wrist and your elbow and your, the inner forearm, right? It was in that spot. And I knew what had happened, but it, my arm was in a position that I couldn't see it. And I just froze. And I knew that because, because I, I didn't want to make any movement because it would get worse, right? So I couldn't see what had happened to it. So while there's hands touching the knee and touching the hook, like I couldn't move until the hook had been cut from the line. And in that time period, I made this conscious decision not to look. And the reason for that is that part of your body it doesn't have as many super sensitive nerve endings as like say your fingertips or your thumb or your face or whatever. And I knew that as long as I didn't look, it hurt, but it wasn't like, it wasn't freak out kind of hurt. But if I looked and my, my eyes, my brain had a chance to see how bad it was, then it was just gonna kick on the pain after burners. And and I'm not a fan of pain. So it's like, I'm doing myself a favor by not looking, because as long as I don't look, there's my brain has no excuse to freak out on me. So, you know, people were looking at it and they're going, let's see if we can get this out, whatever. And then finally, people are like, no, this is this is an emergency room, emergency room thing. And I was out, it's kind of a remote area, it's a Sunday, I don't have very good cell signal. And I'm there trying to figure out how to find something that is in network for my insurance, so that I don't get with another multi-thousand-dollar bill. Because like we had, I just got hit with this big bill from this, the ice storm and the electricity, and then bam, right after that, this thing. So uh, our our world is not set up for this. Everything is go online, do this, do that. Their offices are all closed. I can't talk to anybody. And it's just like, okay, let's just go to the, we tried to find urgent care centers and they're all like, oh no, we close at five o'clock. And I'm just like, okay, emergency room it is. So in this, it's like a 20 minute drive to get to this hospital. And so I just wrapped my arm up in a towel. So I couldn't see it like a blindfold. Right. And, you know, of course I I felt it every time it was jostled, every time it was wiggled, but it's just like, I'm not looking. I'm absolutely not looking. And we get to the emergency room, and it's just this tiny little hospital, completely empty. Like, there's not a single person in the emergency room. So it's like, here's your, you know, you give them your insurance, fill out a form, and they've already called you back in there to take care of it. And so, get the, you know, the full treatment or whatever and the doctor's like okay so um with a with a thing like this i think our best bet is for me to just cut it out i don't think you know cuz sometimes they'll snip it and just try, try and pull it out he's like you know that hook is is dirty and um, i don't want that wound to get infected and i'm like your doctor just do whatever he never looked and in the meanwhile nurses are asking me questions when's your last tetanus shot this that's like tetanus shot antibiotics this that and the other and so i walked out of the hospital with i don't know so I was like, that's the most expensive stitch hook in the whole world. <laughs> but they cut it out. And I have pictures of it on the Facebook group. Um, at first I just posted a picture of the uh the hook and, and told the story. And then I think it was about two days, a day and a half later, um the the the, the wound was I had to I had to treat the wound, like get antibio- special antibiotic ointment on it and stuff. And I realized, okay, this is a clean cut. It's like a centimeter long. There's no infection. I think at this point, uh, the the pain factor is over. I can just go ahead and look at this, the photo. We had a photo of what it looked like. And I was like, "Ooh, God, that's bad. I'm so glad I didn't look like that. (laughs) (laughs) So I posted that in the comments underneath that post because i don't want to disturb somebody and i wanted to post the whole thing on patreon too but i don't have a way to like not post that picture and then post it somewhere else where people can find it and i don't want it to show up in patrons on patron screens without any warning so i haven't done it but if you're listening to this story and you're very morbidly curious you can find the photo <laughs> of my when i got caught oh. by fishhook in the facebook group and so that's pretty
0: much it that's my story i have to say that I, I have a lot of friends who are fishermen i'm not a fisherman and every time i hear a story like this it just sends chills up and down my spine i just uh, that whole thing about the hook going in there and you'd like you just can't really pull them out there's like uh, the
1: barbs they don't they don't know and this was a three-pronged yeah. hook too uh, and only but only one of them went into my arm but it was a big hook and it went in considerable considerably so that was an adventure I would like not to repeat.
0: Yes. <laughs> so th- this was sort of a country life story, not a farm story, but a country a life story. story.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's yeah.
0: Is you know, this the kind of story that you think is unique enough that you could get a copyright for it?
1: <laughs> no, but oh my god, that was a great segue. <laughs> that was awesome. copyrights okay so there's a story that goes with this too i got in a facebook discussion i'm going to put discussion and heavy finger because it was an argument wasn't an argument i typically tend not to weigh in on these types of things on social on social media because right now in this very hyper polarized environment um it doesn't matter what you say. It's just so easy for people to make assumptions. And then your entire argument gets um, it gets wrapped up in a bundle of assumptions. And you're labeled blah whether it's right, left, whatever. You're just labeled that. And nothing you say counts at that point. And then it all devolves into name-calling and nobody even speaks the same language anymore. There's no, there's no common language that we all agree on a base set of facts and we can just kind of move from there. And so there's there's no point. Why upset anybody else? Why upset me? That is not what I'm put on this earth for. I'd rather, I, I don't have such a need to be right that I need to open my mouth and, and spew my opinion, right? So for the most part, I really, really avoid commenting on anything Unless it's just to say, you know, ha, that was funny or whatever. But there was this one particular discussion um, that was political in nature. And uh, it had to do with the whole brouhaha over the, the Dr. Seuss books. And I want to say straight up that this podcast is not political. It will never be political. And this discussion is not political. So if you're listening to this thinking that I'm going to be on your side, I'm not and I'm not on, not on the other side either. This is not about that but but because it started with a political discussion, I have to bring in the context for the rest of this to make sense so it, it had the 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 issue was about censorship, and the person who posted was um irritated, I suppose doesn't they're, they're very um free speech oriented, as am I, and did not believe that these books should be censored. And someone commented saying, well, they weren't censored. They were um, withdrawn by the publisher that chose not to publish them anymore. Just these six out of, you know, all of the books uh, for reasons that the publisher felt that they, whatever, not even going to go there. So the, the original poster said, yes, but as long as they don't, give permission for another publisher to publish those works, then they can't be published, and that's censorship. At which point, I went, no! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got involved, and not because of arguing about censorship or um, the merits of whatever. That is all beside the point. My interest in this subject was entirely solely from the perspective of copyright because in those the discussion the person said more or less i'm not quoting verbatim something along the lines of in response to they hold the copyright yes they hold the copyright and because they're not giving that up that censorship somewhere along those lines which was like, those are fighting words to me, because as an author, I depend on copyrights to protect my work. So I wrote a comment, and I'm going to make use that as the basis for this discussion. Um, I'm going to read it. Uh, so because I'm reading something that I typed on Facebook with my two thumbs, it's not grammatically correct. It's not how it would be if I was actually being careful or choosy for my words, and I was writing it to somebody that was not a stranger to me, right? So you, you'd be a little bit more um, personal and maybe even a little more emphatic or whatever with someone that you have an established relationship with. So it's really important that all of that context is kept in mind because I very, very much don't want this to turn into something political. Do not write me telling me that my argument is wrong if you are going to go from go at it from any political point because no, just no, we're not do- we're not going there. But in terms of property rights and intellectual rights and copyrights, yes, fine, we can have that discussion, right? So here's what I wrote. I have a dog in this particular fight, so I'm going to chime in from my own perspective, which is heavily laden with personal bias. Intellectual property, which is what copyright protects, is property, and it is protected by property rights. When I write a book, I create a book. I own that creation. And it is just as much of a tangible thing to me as a piece of land might be to a developer. The land developer's ownership interests are protected by a deed and real estate laws. and Mine are protected by copyright and intellectual property laws. As the owner of property, I get to decide what to do with it. It's mine. If I want to let you read what I write, that's my choice. I can also burn it if I want to. Deciding I'm not happy with something I wrote and deciding I don't want others to read it, even if I let someone else read it in the past, that's not censorship. It's exercising my rights to do what I want with my property. Nobody gets to demand that I let them have my property just because it's in written form any more than I can demand someone who owns land lets me visit it just because I want to. When the person who owns land dies, they can pass that ownership to their heirs. The same holds, true for intellectual property, with the difference that the exclusive protection on intellectual property expires X number of years after the creator's death. So I could also put that land in a trust or business to be managed on behalf of my heirs, and the same with intellectual property. I could also sell it to someone else. The same with intellectual property. So Dr. Seuss Enterprises owns that intellectual property. It's theirs. They allow others to read it, but they're not obligated to. It's private property under private ownership. When the copyright expires and selling platforms still refuse to sell it, then that might be considered censorship. But then that also leads into the argument of who has a right to demand that private enterprise producer sell something that goes against their ideals or beliefs and there's been supreme court cases about that and whatever by saying that people who own a specific piece of intellectual property are censoring by not making that property available to others is the same as me saying that you are censoring by not letting me have access to all documents on your hard drive and to expect that someone who created something or who owns something gives it up is the antithesis of capitalism and democracy and a free market system. And those are my two cents on the subject of copyrights mm. and the whole Dr. Seuss thing. But I thought that that would be a really good lead in for just a discussion on intellectual property rights in general and how it works and um. Yeah, I'm very (laughs) pro-owning what I create, which is very capitalistic, which is not to say that I don't believe in sharing, but it should be my decision to do so. If I want to let somebody read my stuff for free, that's up to me. Um, But nobody can demand it. Nobody can demand that I sell them something either unless I'm under contract for it, right? So was that clear? Did that make sense? Steve, what do you think?
0: I think it, it makes sense. I am... I am so uninformed on this issue. I have no, I, I've, I've just seen headlines about Dr. Seuss. So I have no idea what's going on here at all. Are the facts in this situation that doctors, the, the people who own the copyright, is that the, the estate of Dr. Seuss? Yes. And have they, yes. are they the ones who decided to unpublish it?
1: Yes, they decided that they weren't going to publish six oh, titles anymore okay. and just withdraw, withdraw them from publication. So it has no bearing whatsoever on books that are already on the market. Um, it's just that some platforms have decided not to list them anymore, which is a completely different discussion. I, I'm not getting into that right now. I'm just talking about the issue of, well, they won't let go of the copyright, so that's censorship. So, yeah, that, that's what happened. They just decided that there were six, six books that no longer fit the, I don't know, goals of what their company was.
0: Okay, so, so for example, if, if you, let's say you self-published some books instead of traditionally published where y- you, you have the exclusive rights to the books, then you, and, and you decided to unpublish something, that's just your choice.
1: Yes, Exactly. And And any author could decide to do that, and some authors do because they feel like, "Ooh, that doesn't really reflect the standard of my work, so I'm going to pull that until i can can rewrite it and maybe publish it under a new name or as a re- or as a you know updated whatever." which this then leads into the really interesting discussion of the difference between copyright and publishing rights. So when you as an author create something, that the very fact that you've created it, that you've written it, that act in itself gives you owner exclusive ownership to decide what to do with it. And you're not obligated to register your work with the uh, United States Copyright Office. but by registering it, what you're doing is you're giving notice that this work is yours. So if somebody does decide to cop to uh, plagiarize it or print it under their own name or whatever, they don't have any excuse to claim ignorance that they didn't know who the author was or whatever and then that allows you to actually sue them for damages. If there was no constructive notice, OK, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to promise that all my details on this are 100 percent accurate. Take it as just sort of a basis that if you want to research more, then that's what gets you started. OK, so with that disclaimer in mind, if if you don't register it and somebody else decides to um, to copy it, then you have to go to court. You'd there'd be a lawsuit, blah, blah, blah. You could sue them and get them to stop doing it, but it would be a lot harder to prove that they knew the work was yours, and then that makes it harder to actually collect damages. So what you accomplish by it is just getting them to stop, but you can't actually make them suffer for it in terms of paying you for your pain and suffering or whatever, right? So that's what copyright is all about. And when you sell, a, uh, like say a publisher wants to buy your book, they're not really buying your book they're buying rights to your work. You as the author may still own the copyright audit, which means that as long as you're the copyright holder on it, any rights that you don't sell still belong to you. If you sell your copyright or give your copyright or um, pass it on to someone else when you die, then you no longer have any rights. It's not yours anymore. But if you retain copyright, then let's say a publisher wants to come along and quote unquote buy your book. What they're buying is entirely dependent on what's in the contract. So some publishers will be like, we want all print rights for the entire world in every print format, including ebook and audio and whatever. And we're going to give you X amount of money for that. Okay, but then that means you still own the film rights and you still own whatever other intellectual property rights can be dished out of your rights pie. And uh, that's all that they own. So in a case like that, let's say a publisher has bought print rights for my uh, for one of my books. They bought those and the contract is going to say under what circumstances those rights would revert back to me. It could be never, it could be difficult, it could be easy. It's all going to be determined by that sales contract which the publishing contract is really a sales contract. And so um, if the publisher still owns those publishing rights and you own the copyright and you're no longer happy with it and you think, well, this doesn't really reflect my values anymore, I don't want this book on the market anymore, well, tough beans to you. Because you don't own that slice of your copyright pie anymore. The publisher gets to decide because you don't you don't own it anymore. You you sold that part of it to them. So, let's say the rights did revert to me. Then at that point, it's my decision again what happens to them. But any rights that you sell, they're gone. And that's why it's really important to look over the publishing contracts to see what rights they're taking because. A lot of contracts these days have turned into rights grabs where publishers just want everything. They want world rights, they want film rights, or worldwide print rights in every language, and they want film rights and they want this and that. And if you either don't understand the implications of that or don't understand your uh the value of your rights and you sign it away, well let's say it's a small publisher, they the book never really goes anywhere. Um so you know, it just kind of was an experience and you're very happy with it. No big deal. But you weren't paying attention that they also took film rights. And let's just randomly some filmmaker from, let's say, hypothetically, a big studio says, discovers this book in used bookstore and goes, wow, this would make a really good movie. And they look up, you know, the book and they find your agent and you're poop out of luck. It's entirely between Your publisher and them, if they work anything out, you have no say in that film contract. You have no say of how much money you get paid. If you don't like how much they're getting paid and they're just paying pennies for it, you get no say in that either. Nothing. It's all between your publisher and the filmmaker because you sold it. You sold those rights. So intellectual property rights is a very complex part of law. It's a very complex area of law. And people, there are lawyers who specialize in this. Because, let's say, even just take, um, you know, the subject of copyright itself. Is that it, how long that copyright exists before the work passes into the public domain is dependent on all kinds of different factors. You can more or less assume that these days, any work created, um holds copyright for, I think it's 70 years after the life of an author, unless it was a work for hire, in which case different rules apply. And, you know, it just gets very complex. And um, so anyway, uh, that's where I'm at with that. Any questions?
0: No, but I I do want to dig a little bit deeper into, I mean, you, you went into a situation where maybe an author was a little ambitious in, in terms of uh, their willingness or their desire to sell a book and they, they perhaps gave away rights that they didn't intend to give away. I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into what happens if you don't do that and you do retain those rights, uh, okay. but I think that's going to spin over into next week's episode.
1: Okay, so next week we're going to discuss uh, what happens if you are smart enough to hold on to your rights and somebody wants to make a movie out of your book is that where we're going with this
0: that's where we're going as, as well okay. as foreign rights and all of the other rights you know you started okay. talking about pie which made me hungry um but you know there you have this analogy with rights and and pie and you know we'll get into all of that
1: Yeah, i'll, 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 I'll fill that back in uh fill it in more detail because I, I did just brush on that um when we get to next
0: week's that's All right. So thank you guys very much for listening. We will be back in your ear again next Tuesday. Thanks for being here. See you next week.